Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up. And Nation, I got to tell you, if there is one topic out there that I just don't understand, and every time I try to understand it, I get more and more confused, it's health insurance. And for those small business owners out there, for those people that are working in a small company, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody out there needs access to health care, but not everybody out there can afford the plans that we all want. Now, how do we go navigating through that sea of plans and all the alphabet soup that they use to explain plans, all these different acronyms out there, it is so confusing. You almost have to take on a separate full-time job to be able to understand all the plans out there. And then even if you've done that, you're still guessing that when the end comes and you've picked a plan, is that truly the best plan for you and your company? Well, folks, I've got somebody that has taken all of the guesswork out of that. They speak that language and they cross the barrier between healthcare insurance and small business. She's delightful to talk to, and I know you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. That being said, for those of you out there that are not owners of your company, it's important for you to understand that your employer wants to take care of you. I know you work for a high quality individual and a high quality company and there is nothing more that that company would like to do but take care of you and your family. There are just so many constraints out there that don't allow business owners to give the care that the employees want. So I want you to understand from their perspective that they're trying. What I'm trying to do in this episode is educate both sides of that fence so we can all learn together and hopefully through that we can come up with solutions together that we can all get what we need and want. With all of that said, please welcome my guest, Allison DePauli. My lab partner today is Allison DePauli. And Allison, you and I are going to be talking about the most exciting topic out there, health insurance. Yes, we are. (laughs) Well, hey, I am a small business owner. And there are a lot of people that listen to Scaling Up H2O that are small business owners or they work for small businesses. And I will tell you if there is any chance that we all have is that it is so difficult to find good or right health care insurance when you're a certain size. Have you found that to be true across the board? That is true across the board. The smaller you are, the more challenging it is. Well, I am so looking forward to talking about this issue because it's an issue that plagues my company. And I know a lot of people that I'm friends with, it plagues them as well. But before we get into that conversation, do you mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a little about yourself? Sure. So first, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been in some part of the health insurance or benefits business for a very long time, much longer than I like to say, um, both as part of a family benefits business. We were a boutique firm that did a lot of self-funding arrangements. Then I moved into some other areas of the benefits arena. I also own an enrollment firm. So we help get employees enrolled in all of their benefits. And now I've moved back over the last couple of years back into the benefit space after learning about 
how many things you actually can do to help control your costs. It's not kind of an all or nothing proposition. And that's where we are today. Well, I am looking forward to using all of the knowledge that you have towards this issue because it's very frustrating to me that I can't offer the benefits that I want to offer my employees because of our size. And then the benefits that we are able to offer are so incredibly expensive and they're not really that good. So I'm not really sure where to start this conversation. Do do you just start giving me advice or do you want to... We can make it for the entire scaling up nation. But I got to tell you, it's an issue. And then, you know, we have all this government getting involved. And then are they going to take care of it? Are they not going to take care of it? It doesn't look like they're doing a very good job so far. So what is the small business owner to do? I would encourage all small business owners to think a little bit outside the box. So we always think of healthcare or health as a social issue and not a for-profit situation, right? You know, we think we should go to the doctor and care is important and people should have access to care. And I agree with all of that. But all of us need to make money, right? So it is the job of the insurance company to make money. It is not the job of the insurance company to control your cost. And once people understand that, They're a little freer to think, well, okay, how is it that I can control my cost? So with the reform and and innovation that we've seen in the last few years, even small employers can now access cost containment tools. And that may be as simple as moving into a level-funded plan, and I'll tell you what that is in just a second, to moving into something like direct primary care, which can be such a benefit to so many companies and everything in between. So, you know, the world is your oyster now in terms of what you're doing with your health insurance plan. You don't have to just stay with the big insurance company. And the further you get away from the big insurance company, you can contain your costs. The downside to that is when you move away from the big insurance company, you move away from the community rating issues, particularly as a small employer. And that's part of the challenge. As a small employer, you're community rated. You're really, you're, the only thing that's particular to your group is, you know, your age mix and your gender mix. Otherwise, it's everybody in your community that is, is rated it the same way. And that's why a young, healthy group pays a lot. And so does an older, unhealthy group. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely does make sense. Now, the question I do have is, where does someone get started? Is it our local insurance agent that we have a relationship with? Do we then go online? I mean, what do we do? Where, where do we start? I would, all of the above. Um, I would encourage you always to start with your the broker that you work with now. They know you. They know your group. You're, you're probably satisfied with them as a business owner outside of this kind of uncontainable cost business. Ask them some questions about if there are any alternative plans, if they do level funding, if they work with any of the health sharing arrangements, if they do any of of the non-traditional things. And if you don't get answers that you like, go online and and see what else you find. Um, Not everybody works in the most cost containment areas. So check around and see what you find. And even if you're small, 10, 12, 15 employees, there are opportunities for you to control your costs. And what exactly should we be looking for? What plans are available out there? What's within a small company's reach? What's within a larger company's reach? What are all the options out there? 
so when when you have a lot of employees, you have a much bigger pool to spread your risk out, right? So, and that's always been the challenge for smaller employers is that there's not a lot of risk spreading. You know, it's your group of your five or your 10 or your 20. And that that's a much smaller risk pool than, you know, 100 or 500 or 5,000. Now there are third-party administrators, which is basically the administrative arm that an insurance company would normally provide that will have access to private risk pools that you can belong to if you're a smaller employer, or you can work with a TPA that has a level funding option where, to me, that's the best of both worlds. It To the employer and to the employees, it looks just like a regular insurance plan, but it works like a self-funded plan. And what that means is there's a specific deductible that is fairly large, 10 or 20 or $40,000, which sounds awful. It's not. Give me a second. Then everything else is taken care of by the reinsurance. And the TPA manages that process for the employer. The level funding means that the employer pays a set amount every month because as a small employer, you can't pay a low amount one month and a higher amount the next month as the claims come in. You pay the same amount every month. And if there's any premium over left over at the end of the year for the claims, you can apply that to next year's claims or you can get that back. It helps stabilize the rate increases and it means that you're only paying for the care that you actually use. Well, that sounds interesting. I've never even heard about that option. How would somebody find out more about that? So I have some tools on my website and we've created a landing page for you. And I'm sure we'll talk about that at the end. For somebody that is just sitting at their computer listening to this, Google level funding, health insurance level funding, and you'll get some nice primers and probably directed to some companies that do that for smaller employers. Well, let's talk about another common issue that I hear from business owners time and time again. They will offer a benefits package to their employees, and then the following year will come up. They will get this exorbitant rate increase, and then they won't be able to afford it, or they can't afford to pay for the entire family. So they say, if you want the rest of your family on the plan, you'll have to pay for them. I'll just pay for you. But the employee just sees that as the employer isn't paying as much as they used to for his family. How do we have those conversations with the employees so they truly understand what's going on? And then what can we do year to year to try to prevent that from happening? There's a couple of things. So first, I believe in transparency of cost. And I think that a frank conversation about what health insurance costs with employees is important to have. You know, it, it used to cost $150, $200, $250 for health insurance for an employee. Now you're very fortunate if you can cover an employee for even a not so great plan for under $450 or $500 or $700 or $800, depending on where you live. And that's the employee only, never mind the family. That's a big nut for small employers to crack. So I think a frank conversation about it. And also a frank conversation about what care costs and where people should be getting their care. Now, when you're in a fully insured arrangement, it almost doesn't matter because you're community rated and the, the rates increase average 7 to 15% year over year. Health insurance costs will double if nothing is done in the next 10 years. Is that something that's sustainable for business? No, it's not. So have a frank conversation about what health health insurance, because health insurance is not health care. 
what health insurance costs, and then seek out some alternatives that will allow you to control some of those costs. And that could be as simple as adding a 24-hour concierge to your plan and telehealth or a concierge doctor into your plan. I know it sounds crazy, but often doing those things will pull 80% of your claims out of your plan because 80% of your care is normally delivered in a primary care setting. And a concierge doctor is available 24 hours a day and they can help you with medications and getting where you need to go if you need extra lab work, tests, all of that kind of thing. So that's one solution. It's just a tool, but it is one of several tools that's available for you. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So there are some listeners out there, I'm sure, that have never heard the term concierge doctor. What exactly is that? A concierge doctor is like an old-time doctor that saw you. You were his patient. He knew you. He knew your family. He knew your medical history. He knew how, you know, your whole socioeconomic situation, social determinants of health are a big deal, and made sure that you got the care that you need. And if you needed something else, he helped you get to the something else that you needed. Now, I know some plans have the ability where you go on an app and then you talk with somebody online. Is that what you're talking about? Well, personally, that's one of my favorite things because I hate to go to the doctor, but that's not quite what I'm talking about. So I would encourage the use of telehealth quite a lot. It is a cost-effective, timely, efficient way for people to get immediate information when they need it. You know, uh, if you have, I get a sinus infection every year, I can't stand to go to the doctor for that. I call telehealth and I'm like, hello, I have a sinus infection. I have this, 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 this symptom. They're like, oh yes, you have a sinus infection. Let us call in these medications for you. So that is at its base level, incredibly easy and efficient. From a cost standpoint, you talk to a doctor You may see the doctor, depending on what state you're in, and that will pull the cost of that claim out of your health plan so you're not penalized for it. So that's kind of the cost containment. On the other side of that, one, I don't have to go to the doctor. I can call at two in the afternoon or two in the morning if I would like to. And two, if I'm a young family or I have an unhealthy person in my household that's having a situation and my child is having, you know, projectile vomiting at two o'clock in the morning because, you know, it's a law. It only happens at two o'clock in the morning. Or I have a, a family member who may be having a heart attack or a stroke, but I'm not sure. I can call that telehealth, get an immediate answer and know if I have to go seek other care or if I can remain where I am or what I need to do if I just need to go see the doctor in the morning. So that allows you some freedom to get, have people get care when they need it and stay out of the emergency room, which is the most expensive place to treat people. So that at its base form is telehealth. Concierge or direct primary care is the next version of that. You do have access to the doctor 24 hours a day, but you can go visit him during the day during his office hours. You can call him at night or, you know, however you engage with your physician. And there is a direct monthly cost for that. There's no insurance per se involved. So like the old time doctor that you paid directly. And you get all those benefits of somebody, you you have a medical home, you have a doctor that knows who you are and your history and what medications you take and kind of what your personal tendencies are and what your family situation is and probably sees the rest of your family members. It's a, a, a very nice environment to have. Yeah, that seems like the way you want to see a doctor, but I'm surprised you say that can actually lower our, our healthcare plan rates. How is that? 
Well, because you're paying the doctor a fee every month. And, uh, uh, you know, normally that that cost is $100 or less. Usually it's less. In the east, on the coast, it might be a little bit more. But normally you're in the $40, range for an employee to have access to have access to a direct primary care. And none of those claims are going against your health plan. Very interesting. That's why you're the expert. I've also heard of individuals either joining associations or a health care sharing plan. Can you talk a little bit about those two? I can't. So an association plan would be a plan that is set up for an association. And usually an insurance company or a TPA, a third party administrator, will go to an association and say, we can do this for all of your members and the members access the plan. The reason you would want to do that is you've got a bigger pool to spread out the risk. There is a commonality. There has to be a commonality among all the members. And usually they'll give you some underwriting concessions for having access to the whole pool. So like um, I work with an association or affinity plan with a marketing association. So all of their members can access this plan. And for in return for access to all of the members, the third party administrator has made some underwriting concessions in terms of group size. So normally their minimum group size is 10. They've gone down to three. And they do offer some, you know, more favorable rates because it's a bigger risk pool. So that would be an association or an affinity plan. A health sharing arrangement is something completely different. And it is much more um, common in the Midwest than it is on the coast. So a health sharing arrangement started out on, on a more religious basis. And it is a group of people used to get that through your church. Now it, it's delivered in some other ways, and you you belong to the pool, and you paid X amount of dollars every month to the to the health sharing arrangement, and there was an administrator of the health sharing arrangement. A need would be a medical event. As a medical event happened, then you would be told, "Okay, we're we're using this much money to cover the medical need." It is not a con- there's no contractual basis, no obligation to pay for care. And, um, but the costs generally tend to be quite low. And I, I know that sounds very odd or very disconcerting for some people. I have seen it work beautifully for many, many people. Well, Allison, I think the Scaling Up Nation has a good idea of what plans are available for them out there. Let's say we go out there, we talk to some people like yourself, we now have an array of plan options right in front of us. How do we go about deciding which is the right plan for our company? Sure. You know, I think different companies have different needs. And so you really need to be clear on what it is that you need. Is a rich plan the most important thing? Is ease of use the most important thing? Is making sure that people have access to quality care the most important thing? Is cost the most important thing? So pick your choice. What is the most important thing that works for your company and then work from there? So if you have a, a particularly a, a skilled workforce and you need to be on the top of your game for employee recruitment and retention, then you want a rich plan that is cost effective. Now, when you say rich plan, how would you define that? I would define that as a plan with a reasonable deductible and choices for how to access care. 
So maybe you offer a plan, you offer a couple of plans, one has a lower deductible, one has a higher, you make sure you've got good co-pays, you make sure that you've got a, um, a reasonable prescription drug benefit. So if that's what you need, then I think more, more it's more important than anything to get into a level-funded plan, maybe in an association where you have more control of your risk so that you can offer richer benefits and have some internal mechanisms that help control the costs. So one of the things that I would caution when you're looking at plans is there is something called a MEC plan. It's a minimum essential coverage plan. I see it used a lot with bluer collar occupations and an employer will have to offer a plan or need to offer something in order to retain employees. And a MEC plan is not a full-blown health plan. It meets the minimum essential coverage requirements of the Affordable Care Act, but it doesn't cover hospitalization. It, you know, if you need chemo, therapy because you've got cancer, you're going to be footing that bill yourself. And I have never seen it communicated in a way that employees don't get hurt. So I would caution you to be careful about a MEC plan and to be careful about a MEC plan attached to a health sharing arrangement. There are other ways to take care of the primary care needs besides a MEC plan. What are some of the most common plans that you've put with employers that say have 10 employees and they all have pretty much the, the same common needs? What, what would you put a plan like that with? So I really like level funding because each employer can tweak the plan the way that they need to. And you have, you're only paying for the care that you need. And, you know, 80% of the time, care is somebody broke an arm, three people have the flu, this one needs to go get her annual exam, this child fell down and broke his other leg, that's not expensive care. And if you can take care of that reasonably, you don't have a long-term problem in managing your plan. And when you're with an independent TPA on level funding, you are much more in control. You are not subject to community rating. And you can tweak the plan annually to suit your needs. And you may not tweak your plan for three, four, five years if you're running well. And that is not something that will happen if you're in the fully insured market. Are there common benefits that employers like more than employees and employees like more than employers? Because typically when, when we offer health insurance, we want to attract new talent. So what is each side of the equation looking for? I think that it will come somewhat of a surprise to most employers to realize that when they offer a $2,500 or a $3,500 or a $5,000 deductible or a $6,500 deductible, that they're basically functionally uninsuring their employees. Because m many hospitals now will not treat you unless you pay, obviously not in an emergency situation, but if you're in a non-emergent situation and you need your gallbladder out and you don't have $5,000 to cover the deductible, most hospitals nowadays will not let you pay that off at $50 or $100 a month. So you're basically functionally uninsuring your employee that you probably care about and probably need to help you run your business. So to get away from that, do whatever you have to do. And that means controlling your costs. I know that's a pretty harsh assessment, but that is, that is the reality of today. So whatever you can do to keep your deductible low, and you may have a plan that has a $3,500 or a $5,000 deductible, 
as an employer, you can you can help your employee pay for that. You can, there are some funding mechanisms that you can use so that you can help an employee offset that cost. I would encourage you to look at those things. For example, what are some of those things? So uh, a health reimbursement arrangement, an HRA, is something that, you know, you can contribute to. And then if somebody needs to go to the hospital, you pay X amount of the deductible. You don't need to pay the whole thing. You know, if the deductible is $5,000, maybe you pay $2,500. That, that's one solution. Um, another solution would be setting up an HSA for each employee and making a contribution so that that money will grow over time. And then when they need to go to the hospital, they have the funds there. And an employee can contribute to an HSA themselves. It's not something you need to manage. And that will help them over time. Um, Voluntary benefits are also helpful, either on an employee paid or an employer paid level to help with that out of pocket. Um, So you can skin that cat in a number of ways. I encourage you to skin the cat. You know, it's very exciting that you have put together all of these different options. I know myself included, when people go out and they try to find plans on their own, it just seems like it's this or that. But you have so many options that you can put together and make a plan work for that specific company. I think that sounds very exciting. Can you share some specific instances where you've helped some companies and what you've been able to do? Sure. So... I move a lot of people into level funding, a lot of, you know, small micro to small size businesses into level funding. It's a little scary at first when they see that their premium doesn't increase. Sometimes it's flat. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a wee bit more year over year. Usually they, they're quite happy with that. The level funding helps make that easier for small employers. You know, when you know what your fixed cost is every month. That's that's easier to deal with than a low and a high and a mid and, you know, with, with a random cost monthly. And we're having conversations now. Oh, what's my premium refund this year? I've never even heard of such a term. <laughs> exactly. So and then there are employers who are starting to use uh, direct primary care or concierge medicine to help take care of all of the basic kind of medical needs, that 80% of, of care that needs to be delivered, and have a high deductible health plan um, in place to cover the rest. You can do that too. That when communicated well, and like most things in life, communication is key, that is very helpful. And then I have uh, groups that have looked, and I've not sold one of these myself, but I have groups that have looked at health sharing as an alternative with some sort of direct primary care um, on the front end. And for an employer that has a very, very lean margin, sometimes that is the perfect alternative. Allison, you've given us a lot to think about, and I got to tell you, I thought that I could just go online or talk to my agent, and the few plans that he gave us, those were my only options, but you've done such a good job of explaining all the various options out there so we can mix and match. I want to ask, if somebody was just tuning in right now, what's the one thing you want to leave the Scaling Up Nation with? I want to leave you with a Yogi Bearism. The only way that you are going to control the cost of healthcare is to control the cost of healthcare. So, health insurance is health insurance, right? Insurance is simply a risk transfer from one party to another. So, there's no cost containment strategy. It is what it is, right? A, a 
claim comes in, it meets the plan provisions, and the insurance company pays it. And that's all there is to it. We are never going to get control of the cost of health care in our country if we don't control the cost of care. So we need to be talking with doctors and hospitals about what care actually costs, how we can pay for it, and move into that direction so that we can all have a sustainable health care system. What we have now is not sustainable. So we all need to take a more proactive approach to our own health care. Absolutely. Well, I know you mentioned at the top of the show that you put some items together for the Scaling Up Nation if they wanted to find out more about some of the items that you mentioned on today's show. How can they go find that? Absolutely. So uh, if they go to alisondepauli.com at forward slash scaling up, we've created a special landing page just for your listeners. I have an ebook there that will help people get started. It's it's a good resource for questions to ask and sort of how the process works. It's the process that I use with my clients. There's also a video there um, that talks a little bit about how different kinds of tools and strategies work and why you want to use them or don't want to use them. And then um, if you want to grab 15 minutes on my calendar, I'm happy to to talk to anybody and and help give them some questions or, or some alternatives and a place to start. Well, excellent. You have given the nation so much to think about. I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O and sharing all the great information you have about health insurance. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Scaling Up Nation, I know that health insurance is not the sexiest of topics, but it is something that we all want. And I got to tell you, it's something that we all don't understand. I hope for the people that are listening out there, you understand that because of the exorbitant rate increases out there, it's not that your employer wants to provide anything less for you out there. It's just they simply can't afford it because of these rate increases. One of the benefits about having Allison on the show is I'm hoping that the Scaling Up Nation can now take matters into their own hands and instead of conforming to just one plan, we can pick and choose from various options to make the right plan for our company, to make sure that we have the right options for us and our employees, and then our employees out there understand that we are trying to do the best by them. Folks, I'm going to have all of this on my show notes page. Allison has a great website. There is a downloadable on her website that explains everything that she talked about during today's interview. I encourage you to go to my show notes page and link to that and download that. I know that's going to get you closer to the options that you are looking for. Nation, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the listener that wrote in, actually several listeners that wrote in and said, hey, we have a problem with health insurance. I know it's not a water treatment topic, but is there any way you can explore what we can do to offer better benefits to our company 
employees. So that's where this topic came from. If it wasn't for you out there in the Scaling Up Nation, I would not have sought out Allison. And Allison is fantastic. And that's because you and the Scaling Up Nation gave me the charge to find an expert out there to answer those questions. So please keep those questions coming. What do you want to hear on Scaling Up H2O? What guests do you want me to interview? And what questions do you have that you want to hear on a future episode? Folks, I love bringing this show to you. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you next time on Scaling Up H2O.